Welcome to the 100 Entrepreneurs Podcast, created to provide veterans and their family members with information, ideas, and inspiration for starting new businesses. This is Amanda Weathersby for 100 Entrepreneurs Foundation. We talk with entrepreneurs and small business experts to learn more about their industries and their lessons learned in creating and growing new businesses. Thank you for joining us. I'm here today with Dale Beatty and John Galena, the founders of Purple Heart Homes, an organization that works to provide housing solutions for veterans. Welcome to both of you. Thank you, Amanda. Great to be here with you. Great. Glad to be here. Thank uh, you. Good. Uh, first of all, can you tell us about Purple Heart Homes, the organization? Uh, certainly. Uh, Purple Heart Homes is a public charity uh, founded by Del Beatty and myself uh, as combat wounded veterans that uh, served in Operation Iraqi Freedom. When we returned home, we, we saw a, a great need and a atrocity in our communities where uh, older veterans uh, needed housing support, needed some assistance for safety and accessibility in their homes. Uh, our community did a great job stepping up for uh, Dale and I and welcoming us home and, in fact, helping Dale build a home that met his needs as a double amputee. And about a year after uh, we returned home and Dale got settled in his home with his family, we really started seeing a lot of older veterans that were being left behind. Dale and I were brought up in the military to, you know, not leave soldiers behind on the battlefield and just didn't really feel right seeing them left behind once they were at home where they were suffering and oftentimes living in uh, indignified conditions where they were crawling to their bathrooms or uh, unable to get in and out of their home by themselves. And so Purple Heart Homes was uh, formed in 2008. We're coming up on our 10-year anniversary, and uh, we're, we're really excited, and uh, we're here to help uh, – disabled veterans from all eras and, and all generations, and, and we were really proud of the work that uh, we're able to do with communities and volunteers around the country. That's wonderful. And how many communities have you been serving in in the last 10 years? Wow. I've never really counted up all the communities, but <laughs> uh, we've done projects in over 30 states. Uh, we wow. have 10 chapters that are uh, existing and, and doing projects in uh, eight different states. And so it's a, a continual uh, growth. Wow, that's fantastic. Well, can you tell us about your backgrounds and how you decided to work together on this very amazing program? Yeah, I'll take that one. Um, this Dale of just... Um, Really, John and I met through the military. We both joined the local National Guard in 1996, right at the same time, and um, you know, we're forced to work together a long time ago. And honestly, it's uh, turned out to be quite an adventure through doing hurricane reliefs in here in North Carolina to deploying to Iraq. Um, you know, it's John's my battle buddy, and. Uh, and I think we'll always be looking out for each other, you know, for the rest of our lives. And so it wasn't, we didn't decide to work together initially. We were thrown together and 
through a lot of uh, adventure and, and service to through the military uh, and becoming friends. You know, it was just uh, kind of something we talked about when uh, I was hurt, when John was driving the Humvee, when we were hurt, uh, and, you know, me me getting shipped off back to the States and then John and the rest of the, the unit, you know, they, they stayed in Iraq and finished their tour of duty there after their injuries. And, um, so, you know, it was kind of really two different type, two different paths for us to get from the battlefield back home. Uh, mine went through the hospital. I had a year of surgeries and recovery and physical therapy and, um, you know, just fortunate for our great military medical system. And, and John basically got off the airplane and they said, thank you for your service. You're out of the army now. And so it was mm-hmm. just that, that difference made us recognize that there is a huge range of experiences that people have when they serve and then when they leave the military, uh, whether you're wounded, whether you retire, whether you just get out, you know, um, there's long lasting impacts on that. So as we really said, you know, there's a lot of support for Iraq and Afghanistan veterans. The experience me and my family had from, from my community here in North Carolina was just tremendous. And, and John looked at me and, you know, he asked me, how do, how do we do that for other veterans that we know are in more need than you are? And, you know, don't have the resources, don't have the support that Iraq and Afghanistan veterans do. And the answer was there's a that's the largest segment of our veteran population are those that did not serve in Iraq and Afghanistan and do not have additional programs and benefits and you know a lot of public support and immediately you know I, I would hope that if you're talking about a veteran like that you would think of a Vietnam vet and that's really a large number of the veterans we've helped their Vietnam era vets who have little resources, maybe lived on a fixed income, and they've struggled. They were treated poorly when they came home, and just seeing these problems in our society made us want to start something. And um, I don't think we ever realized we would be at this level, but we're trying to grow it as, as far as we can across the country to help as many veterans as we can. Well, that's fantastic. That's great. So... Um what did you can you describe some of your projects and how you learned to create these uh, uh, housing solutions for veterans in thirty states it's really a remarkable feat in many ways uh, how did you become you must know a lot about renovation and uh, building et cetera when Dale and I first started, uh, we basically, you know, told a couple of people, hey, we were looking to go help a veteran that needed some accessibility help with their home. They needed a ramp or maybe, you know, a small bathroom remodel. And, and in the process, uh, of, of looking for that, we found our first veteran, Kevin Smith. And, uh, at the time, being a National Guardsman, uh, I had, uh, general contractor's license and had, had as a career, that's what I did. I built houses. And uh, coming home from Iraq, uh, really wanting to uh, help uh, some of our veterans that, you know, we knew were, were being left behind, you know, we felt like we could go put some of our talents to work. And that first uh, project, Dale and I went out and 
uh, actually used the post hole diggers and the skill saw and the hammers, and, <laughs> and we helped uh, build that deck with about nine volunteers. And it, it was a really great experience, but we were truly not prepared for uh, building a, a company, a, a national organization. It, it came from the, the, the assistance came from many other veterans and business professionals in the community that came alongside of Dale and I and, you know, said, hey, look, you know, I want to help. And, and they helped to teach us, you know, how to, how to be an executive director, how to run a board meeting, how to uh, go out and do fundraising, or, or maybe even how to uh, go out and, and do speaking engagements. And so, mm-hmm. you know, through the course of time, uh, the last nine years, we've had just some phenomenal mentors that have helped to bring Dale and I along to, to develop the organization and, and really lead about uh, 250 uh, full-time volunteers through all the chapters and uh, the staff work that, that we do day-to-day now. And it's, it's been an exciting uh, learning experience uh, uh, a pretty steep learning curve, but we're we're really blessed to have some great mentors that that have helped along the way. Wow, that's great. Um, and it, so, it, in ten years, and now in thirty states, did it take a while to get it going full tilt because you were you had this learning curve, or was it did it grow within the you know from the first year? That, that first year was uh, really tough. It was a lot of Dale and I looking at each other, just asking each other questions and uh, trying to, you know, develop the roadmap, if you will. Um, about the first six months of the second year was just solid fundraising. And um, after we got about, mm, I think it was about $9,000 in the bank, we decided to start that first project and, we had some uh, project overruns, and we had to uh, kick in a little extra money. But um, after that, it, it really took off. We got some great exposure. Uh, I think I think not only the the veterans in the community, but also the the volunteers in the community, those that are fairly active, saw that we actually completed and did a project and. And we're a little inspired. Rather than somebody talking about it, they they saw that we actually were doing something. And from that point, it, it was, you know, really, it's been a race. There's uh, 140 veterans waiting on our backlog right now. That wow. we, just, we don't have enough funding and enough support to, to help. We need uh, good people in the communities where these veterans live to step up and, and make a difference. We can't do it all. Yeah, and and how do you get the funding? But also, how do you get the people wh- where you need them? Well, you know, we we have grown as a nonprofit as we've been discussing, and and certainly there was a learning curve to you know just understand the nonprofit business model. Um, mm-hmm. It's really no different than a standard business. It's just a tax status. You know, we we learned, I think, too late that we were not uh, necessarily a construction company, but we were a fundraising company that was, you know, eventually hiring contractors to go and do this work quickly and efficiently. 
so that was kind of the the progress and you know but now we're funded heavily through a lot of individual donors repeat donors people that donate every month you know to support our mission um and great partnerships with some large corporations some family foundations that really um kick in to to fund specific projects or programs when we do have a, a shortage of, of working capital. Um, so most nonprofits are always short of human capital and, and working capital. Um, that's kind of the nature of the beast because you're um, spending your money on your mission, and it's hard to uh, get to a point where you can save and, and have money put back. Um, so all of the individual donors that are out there that support us make up a huge number you know, several thousand now, um, and, and that's been our target, to get more individual donors, to, to share people um, and show them their connection with the military and, and why we they should support our homes. And the truth is we're helping a veteran like you know. You think of any veteran you might know, and we've helped somebody like that, be they male or female, um, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, it doesn't matter from from 93 to to 25 years old we're we're able to help all of those with critical housing needs so you now that and to, to answer your other question um um how do we get the people we're, we're sharing that responsibility and our philosophy philosophy with communities and saying you guys have a part in this the the VA can't do it all the federal government can't do it all and purple heart homes can't do it all and um, it's up to us to take care of our neighbors and especially those that are that are veterans. Right, that's great. Um, and so, did you say 141 projects still on the list and waiting for? Yeah, the, yes, I believe that's a pretty accurate number, and we have about uh, 50 currently working on right now, and we just recently yeah. completed our project number 300. So overall, we've done 100. We got 50 more work and another 140 in the in the pipeline. And um, you know, the chapters are working as hard as they can. And you know, that's honestly where we get the people is forming the chapters, finding the people that are like-minded and, and are willing to step up. Um, and, and that has become our main uh, strategy for growth is forming new chapters. Um, we have interest all the way in Seattle, Tacoma. Um, mm-hmm. It's been a little. It's been a little hard to get that one started, um, just uh, for whatever reason. We maybe we haven't found the right leadership yet. But there's several people out there working hard to put together a team that can be Purple Heart Homes doing the work that Purple Heart Homes does in their community. And um, you know that it's. I think you know in a five years we'll have you know forty to fifty chapters, and mm-hmm. hopefully one in every state where it's needed centered around veteran populations, centered where there's a bunch of retired vets that do need this type of uh, services with their homes uh, so that they can live in their homes as long as possible and, and be comfortable and, um, you know, have dignity and, and have a safe place to operate from. They need a base of operations that's safe and secure and and can serve them indefinitely. Mm, that's great. And they certainly need that, yes. <laughs> Um, well, uh, can you go uh, give us an overview of the process that you go through 
um, you have a pipeline, for example, and you have 50 projects. Can you describe the process you go through to find the people who are in the pipeline and then uh, to the process to get them through the project? Yes. Uh, essentially, uh, every project starts with the application. A veteran has to provide their, their background information along with uh, certain uh, documents like their DD-214 and uh, any dis- disability paperwork from the VA. Uh, once we've got that, our, our committee uh, looks at, you know, their needs and our funds and determines, you know, what level of support we can provide for each project. And at that, um, at that point, we assign a project manager who starts coordinating the project plans and developing uh, schedules, scope of work, uh, uh, work, work plans, material lists, all that good stuff. And then we start organizing our volunteer days uh, around where other critical uh, licensed work needs to be done. Uh, we don't use volunteers to do plumbing or electrical work. Uh, we use uh, certified uh, contractors to do that work, though I will say that many times they volunteer their services. Uh, they donate well. their services, but uh, we, we do look for the um, – the, the professional licensed uh, contractor to do that kind of work. So once we've got all of that mapped out, you know, essentially it's uh, creating a couple of events around the project, the mission kickoff, so that we can engage the community and and share in the excitement of starting the project. And then the, the last uh, step is a mission complete, where we really come together as uh, volunteers and uh, the community in order to say thank you to the veteran and uh, to welcome them home. A lot of times we, we think about our Vietnam counterparts and, and how they were never welcomed home. That very first project that Dale and I did with Kevin Smith before we ever even started the project, I remember sitting down with Kevin and uh, talking with him about some of his needs and some of his experience. And as we were about to leave, uh, we were shaking his hand, and, and Dale looked over to him and said, Kevin, I just want to tell you, welcome home. And uh, Here's a, a 65-year-old uh, who just breaks down crying and couldn't even respond, saying, wow, I've never heard anyone tell me welcome home. And it had such a profound impact on him that we realized that that's something that, that every veteran needs to hear. When you when you leave your society and you you have a moral injury in another country and you come home you feel different and it doesn't matter how many times people tell you thank you if they don't ever actually welcome you home if they don't extend their hand and and and, and offer you know that that acceptance of you back into this society then you, you constantly feel that you're on the outside. And, mm-hmm. and you can't be productive or successful when you feel like you're on the outside. And so we really feel that that, that part of our process and, and welcoming the veterans home uh, and, and gathering the community around them to, to rally you know, their support and their morale, we, we see a significant <coughs> difference and a turning point in their, in their lives accepting that they're back home. Well, that's terrific. Yeah. 
they um, they certainly do deserve to be welcomed home. That's great. Uh, what are the most difficult aspects of running a not a nonprofit organization? Um, you know, I would have to say that um, you're you're constantly short on cash, and mm-hmm. you know, with that, there's always an overabundance of needs. Uh, no matter if it's the next veteran or the veteran that we're just finishing up a project. There, there's more need. Uh, we, we don't do everything to fix all the problems of every veteran that we, we help. We, we just try and improve their quality of life and ensure that they have a safe and accessible uh, home that they can live in. And so, so being able to afford to get the message out of the nonprofit and build the awareness and, and have people recognize the need and then know where and how they can get engaged, uh, that costs money, and it, it takes time. And as a, as a public charity, we accept zero dollars from the government. We're, we're a non-governmental subsidies uh, charity. We're, we're out raising money from the public. We believe that um, the monies are used more efficiently that way. Uh, the, the organization is able to put the money directly to use without it going through uh, bureaucratic processes. Uh, we do a lot of uh, foundation, work with foundations across the country. Uh, a lot of corporations get involved, but there, there's still a, a consistent, steady stream of veterans that have a need, and having a steady stream of income to, to funnel to that need is, is, I believe, the most challenging, not only for us, but for other charities as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, if um, you mentioned that uh, the, one of your challenges is to find the people in the communities to help with the projects, and I know from my experience over the last decade or so of working with veterans and caregivers that they're they have already provided service and extraordinary service to the country, and they uh, want to continue to do so. So uh, I imagine that people will be listening to this and will be interested in knowing what can they do. So are you – first of all, what are the highlights of the, the work that you do and what they do would do with you know, people working with your organization? What are the most oh, – my- Wonderful part. Amanda, if I could, uh, if I could just share a story with you, uh, uh, a veteran that we were helping a number of years ago in Connecticut uh, was a very unique young man. He was a young Marine. He, he lost his arm in Afghanistan, and 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 his while his story is exceptional and and very moving, the volunteers that came out to that project had stories of their own. Uh, and I recall one of those uh, being a, a Vietnam veteran. And this gentleman was on the project every day. He was retired, and he would come out, and whether it was pick up trash, install trim, unload materials, feed volunteers, he was there serving every day. And then I just thought, hey, here's a nice guy lives in the community. We didn't actually know he was a Vietnam veteran until near the end of the project. 
We had had a group of uh, volunteers come in from New York City and framed the house over the course of two or three days. And, and as we were out there, we would gather all the volunteers together and, and do little luncheons and breakfasts. And then at the end, we had everybody together for a dinner and thanked all of our volunteers. As we, as we did this, this, uh, this one volunteer in particular came out and said, you know, John, I'd really like to say a few words to your mind. And I said, not at all. Go right ahead. And you could tell everybody was ready to go. There was a little sign in the room. But what he said next had everybody in tears. He said for 40 years, every day after work, he would go home, and then he would take sticks, and he would beat on trees until his hands bled because he was trying to let go of all the anger he had that he brought home from Vietnam. But working on that project, seeing that community come together to help that young Marine had healed him, that he felt that anger release, getting to work on that project. And as he tearfully shared with that group of, of men that he was grateful for their welcoming that young man home and, and how much it meant to him to see the change in our society and how we were treating our returning warriors. And, and that just changed the game for Purple Heart Homes. It was not just to help the veteran, but it was to help people to heal and connect and be able to uh, help one another in a meaningful way. Yeah, and, and I, I agree 100%, and I love that story. And it is that ability to provide healing and positive influence into a community, I mean, on so many different levels. And so, you know, that's been part of our learning curve, too, is recognizing those things that are profound that directly affect our our business, you know, that say, oh, wow, this is something that could really provide a lot of good things. You know, the healing is a powerful thing to say that, something we've been able to do an effect on a project created healing for someone after so long. And, you know, in addition to just not just the sticks and bricks that go into the project. And so it's amazing to have a business that has different types of customers as our veterans and our communities and our donors that, that donate, but at the same time, different types of product as well. You know, it's, it's yeah, it's a housing critical housing uh, repair or solution for someone, but these other things that we really can't quantify in dollars and on a cash flow sheet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fantastic. Are, are you recruiting people in, in communities in specific communities you can share with us? Uh, you know particular areas of the country or, or is it, do you have that posted somewhere if people wanted to participate? Yeah, I would just say um, go to our website and check it out. You can see where our current chapters are located to okay. get involved with an existing chapter. Um, second to that, we are developing new chapters in communities. Um, I will definitely come and see you if you would like to start a chapter in your community or John or both of us, 
depending on how lucky we get with our schedules. But, um, you know, and, and we're developing, like, as I said earlier, Seattle, Tacoma area, California. I mean, the entire state of California uh, is so huge, we could probably use 10 chapters in California alone. Um, uh, New Mexico, Arizona, Texas, Oklahoma, um, Iowa, Arkansas, Michigan, you know, these higher veteran population states, certainly all through the southeast, Florida, Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia, West Virginia. We need, you know, people to step up in, in all those areas. Um, and we are working actively. Um, our most recent chapter that's going to start up, I believe, is uh, Nashville, Tennessee. They're about to have their first official board meeting. So um, please reach out to us if you have any ideas or, or want to get involved. We'd love to um, share our philosophy and, and the process for setting up a chapter and, and uh, establishing good work being done in your community as well, wherever you live. Just to tag on to uh, two additional thoughts, Amanda. And, uh, number one, if, if somebody wants to get involved and they're maybe not a, a uh, person that's interested in doing it year-round as a chapter or even every year uh, to do multiple projects as a chapter, we're always looking for third-party events for folks to host a fundraiser to help build awareness in their communities and to help fund projects in their communities. Uh, and second to that, we're always looking for uh, good, good companies and individuals that, that have licensure and contractors' uh, licenses to uh, be able to work on some of these projects. And, and for those that may not have uh, the skill sets to work on a project, coming out and listening to a veteran, baking cookies for volunteers, helping to serve water to volunteers, uh, all of that makes a difference. There is a, there is a place for every member of our community to engage with our veterans to help them have quality, sustainable, safe, and dignified uh, housing. Our Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts across America do some phenomenal work putting up flagpoles and helping to, to clean out gardens and, and ensure that uh, the landscaping is, is, looks nice for a veteran. They, they don't want to necessarily have a flag up and, and have their shrubs growing all around it and may not be able to get to it. They want to be able to get to it and fly it with pride. And uh, our young scouts are, are helping to make that happen. So no matter the age, no matter the location, there's a way that everybody can get involved. That's wonderful. Great. Good. Well, uh, are there any other lessons learned that you'd like to share with us today about starting this nonprofit organization and serving this population, very broad population of people who need our support? I think uh, for me the toughest lesson that I had to learn was, um, one, being able to tell someone no, um, and, and second to that, just having to say no. I mean, it's, it's a hard thing to do when, when you and everyone around you is so filled with passion about the mission you have, and, you know, but some projects just can't be done. Um, mm-hmm. sometimes it would actually cost three times as much money as the house is worth to make it a good living environment. And, 
there's not a good long-term, you know, payout for the veteran in question. So um, sometimes we've had to deal with issues of um, family issues that, that we're just trying to there do the work for a, a home project and then take care of the veteran and the family. But there's other extenuating circumstances that make our work almost impossible sometimes. And so I think, you know, for the veteran population, is no different than the rest of the population of America. Um, they just happen to be veterans. The cross-section of the veteran population is perfect representation of, of America. And so what veterans go through, other people go through too. And, um, you know, the biggest lesson I think that, that I think we can share with everybody that comes in contact with our work is Purple Heart Homes was started with just an idea and, you know, if you have an idea for change in your community, you know, don't give up. Assemble your people or your team and, and work hard to address it. And you can really change how people view a problem or uh, how, how the problem is impacted by a community or our society as a whole. Um, so, you know, don't, just, don't get, discount a, a crazy idea. Um, it might bring a lot of good to the world. That's wonderful. Thank you. That's great. <laughs> a great point. Um, well, gentlemen, this has been amazing. Uh, you have an extraordinary purpose, and um, you're, you've accomplished so much in 10 years. I'm, I'm in awe, and uh, I really enjoy talking to you about it. Um, I'm going to make sure that we you know, get communicate as much as possible about the program. And I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thank you, Amanda. Appreciate you uh, helping to build awareness and uh, get the word out for us. A lot of veterans <laughs> in need. <laughs>